0: Welcome back, everybody, to The Luke Beasley Show. It's so great to be with you on this Tuesday. We begin today with this. We start with some breaking news. Just as I was clicking record on today's episode, boom, got hit with the headline um, that Kevin McCarthy has been ousted. So we'll start with sort of a quickly put together segment discussing this breaking news. News here from CNN. House ousts Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. The U.S. House of Representatives has voted to oust Representative Kevin McCarthy in a historic vote on Tuesday. The vote on the motion to vacate was 216 to 210, with eight Republicans voting to remove McCarthy from the Speakership. It lists the names there. The House will now need, oh no, <laughs> here this goes again, uh, to elect a new Speaker, but there is no clear alternative who would have the support needed to win the gavel. No House Speaker has ever been ousted through the passage of a resolution to remove them. Now, Matt Gates filed this resolution and Democrats went, hmm, do we want to jump in and save Kevin McCarthy or just say, sure, we'll oust him? And they said, yeah we we'll oust him. So then all you needed was a few House Republicans to go along with that. Matt Gates and some others, as was listed there, uh, went along with it. And Kevin McCarthy, for the first time based on this process, has been ousted in American history. The first time a speaker, I should say, through this process has experienced that. Now, he is a bad leader. He has failed. I would say for different reasons likely than Matt Gates does. Uh, The hardliners who have gone for this say it's because of uh, McCarthy bending the knee too much to the Biden administration, not getting big enough concessions, agreeing to fund the government based on terms that weren't hardline enough for these individuals wanting bigger spending cuts, and a few different things as well. But I want to reflect on the fact or continue to emphasize, better put, that they'll have their debate over the details they're having their conflict we'll cover it extensively but zooming out this is the best example of what i talk about day after day the republican party's not a serious governing party and the difference between what we're getting from them here the chaos the chaos caucus as it's called is so inferior to that of the democratic party a serious governing party far from perfect far from perfect but Way better at actually getting in there, getting things done, and then providing the American people with. It. Here's a list, you can have issues with it, but here's a list, the one we've gone through time and time again in the past, of actual policy achievements that we got through when we had power. Republicans, sure, they'll try to come up with a list, but this is what people will remember. This is what people are experiencing chaos, debacles, time and time again and it seems no intention of actually getting things done. So now Kevin McCarthy is no longer the speaker of the house. He will have to, probably, he will attempt to fight his way back into that position by running in the vote casting process yet again. Will it take 15 votes this time to decide or 30? We'll just have to see and I will of course continue to cover it. But here was that historic moment that just took place.
1: On this vote, The yeas are 216. The nays are 210. The resolution is adopted without objection. The motion to reconsider is laid on the table. The office of Speaker of the House of the United States House of Representatives is hereby declared vacant.
0: My goodness. Now, if they had any sense, they would say, you know what, clearly, we don't know what on earth we're doing. We can't even get through the two years without revolting against the Speaker of the House. And so Democrats, you choose and we'll unify around your choice. Hakeem Jeffries, you take the gavel actually. You obviously are much more of an adult. They probably won't do that though. Here was some of what Matt Gates had to say on the House floor while this was being debated.
2: From Florida. My colleague says we've passed the strongest border bills in history. Well, guess what? Look at the border right now. We didn't use sufficient leverage in the debt limit or in any other thing to actually get results on the border. The border is a disaster, really something I don't think you're going to be campaigning on, that you fix the border. Second, you said you streamlined regulations. What the gentleman from Louisiana doesn't tell you is that all of the regulatory reform he was just bragging about is waivable by the stroke of a pen of someone in the Biden White House. Do you really think you have got anything for that? It's a total joke. And then finally, the welfare to work that the gentleman from Louisiana said we got. The welfare programs that they said that they streamlined with their welfare to work stuff, they're actually gonna grow because while they did work requirements, they blew out those programs with expanded eligibility. I'm real glad you guys didn't put work requirements on Medicaid, it probably would have resulted in Medicaid expansion. And when it comes to how those raise money, I take no lecture on asking patriotic Americans to weigh in and contribute to this fight from those who would grovel and bend knee for the lobbyists and special interests who own our leadership, who have, oh, boo all you want, who have hollowed out this town and have borrowed against the future of our future generations. I'll be happy to fund my political operation through the work of hardworking.
0: And I will continue to say, despite the constant alluding to Republicans being the party of fiscal responsibility, they do have in modern American history a worse record on the very metrics they purport to care about being debt and deficits. Um, And they choose to act irresponsibly by their own metrics. But instead of doing that in the interest of programs that at least in the meantime benefit people, in a significant fashion who actually need it, like these social programs they want to cut spending for. Instead, they'll jack up deficits to do things like Trump's massive tax cuts that disproportionately benefited those at the top of the economic ladder. Big tax cuts for those who don't need it are already so wealthy. So I don't want to hear it from the Chaos Caucus on this one. Um, And it's not the justification that they think that it is to Uh, do these massive cuts to spending when again they have such a bad record on those metrics then you have so within the party you have your hardliners we already have talked about so many times in the past the MAGA people and the more moderate Republicans and there's division there now we're subdividing even more division within that within the MAGA hardcore hardliner part of the Republican Party they're not united around this effort and Chip Roy isn't going for the ousting of well doesn't matter now but he wasn't going to go for the ousting of kevin mccarthy and so matt gates attacked him now two people who used to be a part of the same little hardliner part of the party are having some trouble in paradise come
1: at me and call me a rhino you can kiss my ass look i've spent a lifetime fighting for limited government conservatism i have laid it all on the line I've not seen my family but for two days in the last 30 days. You go around talking your big game and you thumping your chest on Twitter. Yeah, come to my office and come have a debate, mother. You know why? Because I'm standing up for this country every single day. Come at me.
0: So come to my office and say it to my face. Mayhem. And we'll keep talking about the specifics of this battle and what is Kevin McCarthy saying? What is Matt Gates saying? You know, what's the response from Chip Roy? Come to my office, Matt. And all these things matter. This is who is currently in charge. And so that's in and of itself important, but even more important. Let's make sure we emphasize the contrast, whatever the heck you call this is one of your options in this upcoming election. And the other option, with any issues you might have with them, at least did real governance tried to solve real issues when they had a majority in the House of Representatives. That is so important to point out. Even if you don't agree with the American Rescue Plan or the Inflation Reduction Act, you don't want to lower prescription drugs for Medicare recipients for some reason, or the PACT Act, I don't know why you disagreed that, or the Chips and Science Act, at least we're having policy conversations that matter and are meaningful. And when implemented, actually benefit people's lives. At least that's the context of the discussion, not this. And this, as well as everything else we've seen from them, starting even before day one, technically, when Kevin McCarthy was just trying to get his speakership, not to mention all the political attacks against President Biden, investigation after investigation, hearing, hearing, getting nothing. It benefits no one. And that is such a devastating reality. Very much emphasized by this whole debacle we're watching play out. Well, this made my blood boil and I think it will yours as well. The longest serving chief of staff under Donald Trump, John Kelly, served alongside Donald Trump loyally for some time is now exclusively confirming to CNN details of stories that had been previously reported on that are so vile about the view that Donald Trump has and words he's spoken about us soldiers, individuals who lost their life in the line of service, veterans, And we're going to go through this. It really is so vile, so disgusting and disturbing, as the CNN article called it in the title. And also, separate from the enraging nature of the story itself and what Trump thinks and feels about those who give everything to the country, we have to remember, this is the guy who the Republican Party is lining up behind uniformly, almost. This is the guy who likely will be the nominee for president of the United States of the Republican Party that proclaimed themselves to be the -the pro-military, pro-the-troops, pro-military-members party. And this is what the leading contender for president of the United States, or at least the nomination within the GOP, has to say about those individuals. Here from CNN exclusive, John Kelly goes on the record to confirm several disturbing stories about Trump. John Kelly, the longest serving White House chief of staff for Donald Trump, offered his harshest criticism yet of the former president an exclusive statement to CNN. Longest serving White House chief of staff served under Donald Trump loyally longer than anyone else in that position under his administration. Kelly set the record straight. With on-the-record confirmation of a number of damning stories about statements Trump made behind closed doors attacking U.S. service members and veterans, listing a number of objectionable, to say the least, comments Kelly witnessed Trump make firsthand. Quote, what can I add that has not already been said, Kelly said, when asked if he wanted to weigh in on his foreign boss in light of recent comments made by, the, uh, by other foreign Trump officials. A person that thinks those who defend their country in uniform or are shot down or seriously wounded in combat or spend years being tortured as POWs are all, quote, suckers because, quote, there is nothing in it for them. That's what Kelly is alleging Trump to have said. A person that did not want to be seen in the presence of military amputees, because it doesn't look good for me. A person who demonstrated open contempt for a Gold Star family, for all Gold Star families, on TV during the 2016 campaign and rants that our most precious heroes who gave their lives in America's defense are, quote, losers and want to visit their graves in France. A person who is not truthful regarding his position on the protection of unborn life, on women, on minorities, on evangelical Christians, on Jews, on working men and women. A person that has no idea what America stands for and has no idea what America is all about. A person who cavalierly suggests that a selfless warrior who has served his country for 40 years, is talking about Mark Milley, in peacetime and war should lose his life for treason in expectation that someone will take action a person who admires autocrats and murders dictators a person that has nothing but contempt for our democratic institutions our constitution and the rule of law served under donald trump right next to him witnessed all these moments key moments and this is what he has to say there is nothing more that can be said god help us kelly concluded And the Republican Party and all these individuals will think Mark Milley also served under Donald Trump, lifelong respected military leader, gave his life to serving the country. Whenever he warns of the threat of Donald Trump, at least as being reported privately, that he'll lock up his political opponents, that he'll go full authoritarian in that attempt. Nah, Mark Milley's woke, rhino, he just is part of a plot to take down Trump. Or hear John Kelly, or Bill Barr, or Mark Esper, or whoever you want to point out. All these people who worked loyally under Donald Trump saw things that were so horrifying, so disturbing, so vile, that they have to speak out about it. And all these people who support Trump will choose his word over all these individuals who previously Trump had all this praise for. And it references in this article that previously it had been reported that Trump said, Why should I go to that uh, cemetery? It's filled with losers. And Marines who were killed were suckers for getting killed. Kelly said those are the heroes in our society. There's only one group of people who are more heroic than they are. And they're buried over in Arlington. I don't want them, Trump said. It doesn't look good for me. Uh, Look, I don't want any wounded guys in the parade. Another quote here. Just so, I can't think of new words, honestly. Vile. The lowest character. And that is something everyone should be able to observe. Is it really more likely all these people who serve with Trump are lying and Trump's the truth teller? or the guy who has the interest in lying because it protects his reputation and his political interests. Maybe he's the one lying. But no. And all these stories we've received about him will get ignored, or I guess people don't actually care about the uh, the principles they purported to have, and they'll stay in line with Trump. It is really stunning and disheartening. Well, this is honestly sort of hilarious. Donald Trump is using as one of his defenses publicly or complaints about his fraud, trial, his civil fraud trial in New York. And as he tries to portray himself as the big victim, and he's being so wrong. One of the things he's been saying is it's so unfair that I'm not getting a trial with a jury. Instead, it's just for a judge to decide. It's interesting that he's saying that based on a bit of information I'll give you in a moment. But first that sounds like maybe that's reasonable. Oh, why isn't he getting a jury in this trial? We'll talk about it, but first, here's this from Trump.
1: I was going to come out and say that, as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America, so I uh, think it's very unfair that I don't have a
0: jury, but uh, the judge's last statement- I think it's very unfair that we don't have a jury. And again, if you're not familiar with this story, yeah, wait, no fan of Trump, but why isn't he getting a jury? It's too good. You're not ready for this if you haven't heard the story yet. Business Insider reports, while Trump has raged on social media in recent weeks about the decision to forego a jury trial, he only has one group to blame his legal team. On July 31st, the New York Attorney General's office filed paperwork telling the judge it had completed all its pretrial work and was prepared for a trial. On that form, the lawyers check the box requesting a quote trial without jury here is the form right there trial without jury trump's lawyers never filed anything to court arguing otherwise court records show they had the opportunity to ask for a jury trial but didn't and then of course alina abba saying no trump wanted a jury and we wanted it well then you should have done the form correct you should have filed uh that correctly and asked for a jury. So it's on the shoulders of his own legal team, which is priceless. And he does have a very it seems incompetent legal team if they which is not going to be exactly the same, but if their public defense of Trump is anything like their in court defense of Trump because it's been pretty embarrassing what we've seen, especially from Alina Abba who was referenced there. So as it's being Uh, reported and discussed in kind of headline form. Donald Trump has only to blame the fact that the wrong box was checked by his own lawyers. Republican Senator Lindsey Graham has this bizarre routine where every time there's a notable event in relation to Trump's legal troubles, he'll go on Sean Hannity's show on Fox News and meltdown. Um, We've seen particularly notable examples of this especially after the first indictment he went on and it seemed he was getting teary-eyed super emotional which i love the expression of emotion but about this a guy being legally held accountable a little strange and in this case he's a little bit more chilled but is still saying obviously very irrational things this time in response to day one of Trump's uh, civil fraud trial in relation to his fraudulent business practices, risking losing everything in terms of his business in the state of New York, and claim one of this lawsuit brought by the Attorney General of New York, Letitia James, has already been decided by the judge to be indeed the case Trump was engaging in fraudulent business practices. So here is Lindsey Graham, very unhappy about it all.
1: No, it's a systematic effort to destroy Donald Trump as a political person. His crime was he was a good conservative president. I've never seen hatred toward a political figure like I see against President Trump. Uh, The left uh, will do anything to ruin his life, to keep him uh, from being president again. And here's the good news, if you're a conservative, it's not working. He can't be in South Carolina today, but let me tell you, the people in South Carolina are watching what's happening to him in New York, and we're not going to let New York get away with this. If you think how do you stop worth Senator, 18- How do you stop a judge? He wins the primary. He gets to be president again. This judge is a joke. Who got defrauded?
0: Banks and other entities. Uh, what does that mean? We're not going to let, South Carolina is not going to let New York, quote unquote, get away with it. Is that a threat lindsay very bizarre um, and let me respond to this part again
1: what's important to people watching this show president trump can't be in iowa and south carolina and new hampshire but if you live in these states you can help him by making sure that liberals do not get away with this
0: as if it's liberals exclusively involved in all these different prosecutions all the different again, prosecutors, their offices, the judges, the whole process is all liberals, of course not. Even very notably, a Trump appointed judge is overseeing one of the Trump cases, the classified documents case. And it is way easier to make this dishonest case for why Trump is being wronged, if you can simplify it down to it's all liberals. Jack Smith is not of a particular political party. And That contradicts this idea. And then once you get rid of that as an argument, it's really even harder to defend Donald Trump if you can't make it a liberals versus conservatives, a Democrats going after Republicans, Um, which of course it's not. It's the law versus Trump. That's it. It's not liberals versus Trump. It's not Biden versus Trump. It's the law contradicting with the actions of Trump. And thus he should be held accountable for that. And we'll see. He'll have his day in court. Maybe he can prove himself innocent, but that's what we're watching play out here. And this could be uncontroversial, we could all respect, as they used to say they did, law and order, more than, and the rule of law more than one particular person that we've decided to be our cult leader, in the case of much of the Republican Party. By the way, as a part of this same uh, night, Sean Handy said this,
1: Now, how would you feel if a prosecutor started combing through every aspect of your life in search of a crime and then dragging your children into it simply because
0: they don't like you, they don't like your politics. And of course, there's no evidence that that is taking place here. There is a lot of evidence that Donald Trump potentially committed crimes or in the case of this civil trial engaged in fraudulent business practices. But... It's funny that he would complain about endless investigations into every aspect of the lives of political figures for political reasons, including their children. When he roots on and covers that entire process that House Republicans are doing to Joe Biden Um, to the point where the son of Joe Biden is having, without his consent, his nudes shown on national television by Marjorie Taylor Greene during a hearing, because they're that obsessed with trying to dig up dirt on the Bidens and try to portray Biden as in the wrong based on their obsession with Hunter Biden. Funny that you would point that out. You're right. That can go wrong real quick, as we're seeing with the GOP right now. I've been attempting to call attention to the fact consistently that it seems much of mainstream media, as it's called, or liberal media, excluding right wing media, they're irrelevant to this conversation is allowing themselves to fall into sort of normal coverage of things that are not normal whatsoever when it comes to Trump, MAGA, the threat to democracy, the authoritarian part of the GOP that we're seeing further come into its own and the threats that Trump has been levying that very much exemplifies that fact. And even though it's such a broad statement to make. And thus some people take issue with it of the media is normalizing Trump's behavior too much because there are incredible uh, individuals doing incredible things and so much amazing reporting, great coverage. It's just such a vast thing to analyze. But I do stand by and I'm concerned with the fact that. As an example, Kristen Welker would be able to conduct on NBC the type of interview that she did with Trump as he has the record he does with trying to overthrow our lawful election results, as well as recent statements he's making that are so dangerous authoritarian and against the Constitution. And that seems to be manifesting across the media in ways that is troubling, because if we enter into this election, with coverage of the election, that is flawed, that could be what tips the scale and allows a lot of people not to understand the gravity of this current political moment and the threat that's posed by uh, Trump as the figure, the movement around him and the potential of a second Trump term. And the past example I used to kind of illustrate this was, isn't it a little bit strange that to kind of show, hey, we're covering things on both sides, you had Trump saying, this long series back to back to back of dangerous threatening things against freedom of the press talking about investigating going after lamestream media if he became president again threatening Mark Milley not to mention in the past him calling for the termination of the Constitution not to mention his record on our democracy. And then over here, a story about Biden sneakers, but that's just one example. And so that's hard to point to as a really strong point um, on what I'm saying here. But this is a better example I want to now talk about, that's more data-driven. Looking at the way that television news, television mainstream, quote-unquote, liberal media, how they covered or didn't Trump's threat to Mark Milley. Um, The fact that Trump referenced Mark Milley being executed. In times gone by, Mark Milley's behavior would necessitate execution, Trump says. Based on, honestly, the fact that Trump feels wronged by Mark Milley because Mark Milley believes in the Constitution more than he believes in Donald Trump. And a lot of television news didn't even cover that. A former president essentially calling for the execution of, thinking it would be justified to execute, his former top general. You can't skip past that. But then we have time to talk about all these stories that, again, often seem to be, not that there aren't flaws to cover, but often seem to be, look, we'll also cover unflattering things about other figures than Trump and the Republicans to prove that we're not biased. But at some point, giving an honest uh, depiction of the current moment is way more important. So here from Media Matters, Donald Trump suggested General Mark Milley deserves to be executed TV news barely covered it. Television news networks largely ignored former President Donald Trump's suggestion that General Mark Milley, Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, deserves to be executed. Only CNN and MSNBC covered Trump's inflammatory truth social posts about the general, while broadcast news outlets and Fox News completely ignored it. Now, Fox News, obviously, they're going to protect Trump on that. But... Uh, It gives you the details here, despite the extraordinary nature of Trump's suggestion from 8 p.m. Eastern Time on Friday, September 22nd, when Trump posted on True Social through 9 a.m. Eastern Time on September 26th, ABC News's or ABC's Good Morning America, World News Tonight and This Week, CBS Morning's Evening News, Face the Nation and NBC's Today Nightly News and Meet the Press all failed to mention the post. Fox News, obviously, (laughs) didn't cover it, but CNN, MSNBC did. Now, not a whole lot, but they did talk about it. 21 minutes and 41 minutes, respectively, CNN, MSNBC. That's a really good batch of information that shows you what I'm referring to, because it is a confusing bit of analysis the media that's really big vast statement to make the mainstream media is covering too normally or not covering enough or not emphasizing the gravity of and threat of this current election and the potential of trump winning it and that tells the whole story a former president calls for or at least alludes to the execution of his former top general because trump feels wronged by him and a bunch of the biggest television news outlets don't even mention it once. Now, I hear some people who analyze media as I do and will come up with really conspiratorial ways to explain why things happen. That's not at all helpful or valuable. I'm not attributing ill will to these outlets. I don't think they're trying to benefit Trump here. I think it's really easy because I've noticed, I have to work hard not to do this, to go, ah. we've talked so much about Trump. Let's talk about something else. All right, what's going on with uh, Biden and his age? And I get that that comes from a good place. You don't want to come off as super biased, of course. But If there's actually more important things going on over here, then maybe all your stories that day have to be over here. And maybe the Biden age story can be kicked down the road a little bit. And so I don't think there's any bad explanation other than getting used to Trump's behavior, normalizing it, and just feeling like, Oh, well, yeah, Trump's screaming on true social again about something. And we can't do that. Terminate the Constitution he said on true social, terminate all rules, articles, regulations, even those found in the Constitution. I think we could talk way more, maybe not in this show, because we do it a lot. But in the media, we could just circle back, let me break down again, how Trump and his allies tried to overthrow our lawful process, because I've met so many people, even liberal people, very, very much so, who aren't actually that familiar with what the fake elector scheme, what was that again? What was Trump trying to do with Mike Pence? Why was he calling those local election officials? What was that plan exactly? I know he was trying to overturn the results, but what was he actually trying to do there? That could get way more discussion. And the fear is, oh, people are going to accuse us of Trump derangement syndrome. Well, I think it's perfectly fair to be super, super concerned with and thus constantly talking about the threat that's posed by someone calling for the execution of his former top general, calling for the termination of the Constitution, try to overthrow our democratic process, saying he wants to investigate and go after media outlets he doesn't like. I think it's fair to have your hair on fire about that. Absolutely. And they're going to accuse you of being biased anyways. So I think we can give a little bit more than zero minutes to that very dangerous true social post. Democratic presidential candidate Robert F. Kennedy Jr. appears to be planning to drop out of the Democratic primary for president. That by itself is a good thing. He is a bad candidate. I don't know why he was running as a Democrat in the first place, getting a bunch of his support from the right wing, and he has all these conspiratorial views. But he seems to be planning to run as an independent instead. And just like what we talk about with a potential no-labels run, Any third party candidacy, especially one coming from someone who was just running as a Democrat, even if that didn't make sense, uh, associating himself with the Democratic Party, that's a risk to the candidacy of Joe Biden. Now it won't stop at the end of the primary. Now in the general, he could siphon away votes from Joe Biden helping Donald Trump, which is very risky. But just like what we say with a potential Joe Manchin candidacy or Larry Hogan, You don't know for sure, and sometimes polling seems, especially in the case of Kennedy, that actually this could hurt Trump more. Too risky though, not something we want to root on. Um, In the case of Kennedy specifically, it seems like he is more favorable to Republican voters, but them seeing him favorably because he's currently running against Biden and is conspiratorial is different than them saying, we'll not vote for Trump and vote for Kennedy. Whereas you do have Democrats who maybe aren't as familiar with how RFK Jr. has gone off the rails, but know Kennedy, he was running as a Democrat and maybe think that would be an option in the general, that would be disastrous. So again, despite the fact that you can find reporting out their information that indicates it is a more complicated story than just for sure Kennedy will sink the candidacy of Joe Biden. It's still not something I support whatsoever even if right-wingers are more interested in his candidacy than Democrats are. But here was Jesse Waters celebrating this. Fox News alert, RFK Jr. is
1: dropping out of the Democratic primary and will announce an independent run for president. Mediate says RFK will announce October 9th in Philly. I'm not gonna tell you right now exactly what that announcement will be. I can say though, that if you've been waiting to come to one of my public events, this will be the one to come to. I'll be speaking about a sea change in American politics and what your part and my part is in that change. A lot of Americans who had previously given up any hope that real change would ever come
0: through the American electoral process Now they know we can prosecute Fauci as RFK Jr. wants to do. I knew hope in my candidacy.
1: Kennedy's independent run will devastate Biden's shot at re-election.
0: So of course that's what he's hoping to be the outcome. It's more complicated than that for sure. Like I said, the prosecute Fauci stuff, the conspiracy theories, the candidacy he's been bringing forward, the way that he's speaking on Fox News, it could attract more Republican voters than Democratic voters. I still don't like the risk of it, even if that uh, is possible. And I think both Jesse Waters and myself, to make a definitive statement on this would need more polling on that three-way hypothetical matchup between Biden, Trump, and Kennedy to know how this would affect the race. But that association with the Democratic Party does frighten me on the part of RFK Jr. And again, I would rather him just not get into the race as an independent. I'm all together and two Democrats. The most important takeaway here is you and everyone, you know, or if you're an independent who doesn't want to vote for Trump, you, you just got to go Biden, the democratic nominee, the Democrat or the Republican's going to win the independent's going to lose. So you're making a decision between Trump and Biden. And if you vote for an independent and you're someone who would have otherwise voted for Joe Biden if you vote for that third party candidate you're just assisting in Trump getting elected and it is too dangerous the prospect of a second Trump term to risk that our Constitution our democracy rule of law all of it is on the line here so hopefully all Democrats and reasonable Republicans and independents all can agree upon that and even if you have lots of issues with Joe Biden check that box on election day. We end today where we began. The now former Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy was of course ousted. Matt Gates led the charge on that and was successful. And now Kevin McCarthy is no longer the Speaker of the House. And I wanna show you Hakeem Jeffries response to this news and this event. And it further makes the point that I made earlier in today's show uh, when talking about the breaking news of Kevin McCarthy being ousted, which is, look at the contrast between the Republican governance we're seeing now and the governance we saw when Democrats had the majority in the House of Representatives. And this is a moment for Democrats to make that contrast as clear as possible. And I think moments like this very much serve uh, that goal. So Hakeem Jeffries is the minority leader in the House of representatives leader of the Democrats in the House. And if after the 2024 election in 2025, Democrats took over the majority. He likely would be the Speaker of the House. And it would be less likely that he'd be ousted after that. Uh, but here was his response.
2: Just spoke a second ago. Let's listen House to that. Democrats are going to continue to put people over politics and to fight to make life better for everyday Americans. From the very beginning, that has been our objective and it will continue to be our sole focus, delivering for the American people. We encourage our Republican colleagues who claim to be more traditional to break from the extremists. In the chaos, in the dysfunction, in the extremism, we are ready, willing, and able to work together with our Republican colleagues, but it is on them to join us to move the Congress and the country forward.
0: Jeffrey's just... There it is. I saw, I don't know if I have the tweet pulled up here. I do, okay. John Harwood said, uh, if American politics were broken, we'd have seen things like this happen when Democrats controlled the house, but we didn't. What's broken very specifically is the Republican party. And that is so accurate. And Hakeem Jeffries there is saying, listen, we're ready to work. We'll be bipartisan moderate republicans reasonable republicans will work with you on actual solutions to actual problems instead of this nonsense but it's on you to reject the extreme part of your party to reject the MAGA part of the gop and that's not happening as it needs to right now and so hakeem jeffries is both indicating that Democrats are more serious about governance, as we've seen in the record of Democrats in recent years and Republicans on that front, but also that there is a world out there where both parties could be better. We're far from that world. um, And right now, the only way that that's going to happen is if the Republican Party gets better, because the Democrats are ready to do actual governance far from perfect, but actual real government solving actual problems. And their legislative record in the first two years of Biden's presidency very much reveals that Republicans are the ones who aren't. And so they need to get their act together. And then Hakeem will be there waiting, I guess is the point. And that is a really good message, I think, for Americans to see because we can't allow this all to be put on Congress generally. Oh, politics generally, as John Harwood said, if politics generally was broken, you would see this same chaos with Democrats, and you don't. It is one party, one part of one party, but the rest of the party, the moderates, if they still exist, are not rejecting the MAGA part aggressively enough. And I do think this is still a characteristic of MAGA, even though there's different reasons. It's not uh, a rejection of Ken McCarthy because he's not pro-Trump enough. It's not really about directly Trump. But it's that same unserious governance that has become so prominent within the GOP since the introduction of Trumpism, and and it built up before that, but really became the defining characteristic of uh, this moment in American politics as it pertains to the Republican Party, because of the way that Trump and characters like him and those who supported him, how they got so popular within the party. And so It is the same reminder that if we're going to see a better future with bipartisan progress as we would want it to be, um, then the Republican Party needs to figure out what the heck is going on and get themselves sorted out. And that's going to start with rejecting MAGA. So moderate Republicans, again, if you still exist, get to work. Thank you all so much for watching and listening to today's show. I will see you tomorrow.